0: Well, on this episode of Geek Out Loud, there's a little bit to talk about. Somewhere out of the blue, there was this Avengers trailer drop, this Bumblebee, you've got the touch thing going on. We may have someone stop by to do some MU read through. Who knows? Welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name is Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you on your safe place to geek out. That's what this is all about. Didn't mean to rhyme there, but it happened. I'm a poet and didn't even realize it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you along with us on this episode. Uh, just some fun things to talk about, uh, geek out wise. There was a little trailer that just honestly it came out of the blue. Um, and it was that Avengers Endgame trailer and I really can't wait to kind of look at that. It's a teaser more than a trailer, but I can't wait to take a look at that and, and break it down a bit and tell you kind of where my head's at as far as the MCU goes. And um, Scott Reifen and myself had planned to kind of MU read through it up and talk some Fantastic Four. Scott has run into some scheduling problems, so he may or may not be coming on. We're not sure yet. This is We are doing this live at Mixler.com slash goliverse. and so you never know what may happen. Um it's uh <clears throat> it's it's just going to be one of those shows. It's going to be one of those shows where you, the the mystery is is just ramping things up and and we get ramped up because of the mystery. For example, we may just choose to in honor of the Avengers trailer dropping, we may choose to do a reading here from the Marvel Encyclopedia as released by DK Publishing. Uh, this is the definitive guide to the characters of the Marvel Universe updated and expanded there's a new one of these on the horizon. This was actually printed in uh let me find the um the the date here uh This is revised from two thousand nine so this is about nine years old and I know there's another revised edition coming up so um so get ready you know prepare your hearts and minds. For that, so let's see. Let's do a random reading here from the uh, from the from the Marvel uh, Encyclopedia of Characters, and I'm doing a. I'm just going to do a real flip and stop. And here we go. Oh, this is an interesting one. J two, J two. His first appearance was in What If Volume Two, Number One Hundred Five in February of nineteen ninety eight. I remember this guy. He was basically. Uh, this is What If the the Avengers had never gotten off Battle World. Um, I believe. In One Possible Future, Zane's parents are Kane, Marco, the original Juggernaut, and Sachiyama, an assistant district attorney. They fell in love shortly after Marco renounced his criminal ways, joined the X-Men, and was pardoned for his past crimes. They married, but Sachi kept her last name for professional reasons. While on an X-Men mission, Marco was lost in an alien dimension. Years later, Zane discovered that he could temporarily gain the mass and power of the Juggernaut, calling himself J-2. Zane joined the Avengers of his timeline and eventually freed his father, from an alien sorcerer who had been holding him prisoner, this was almost like. But um, in the late nineties, they almost did uh, spinning out of this particular story arc. They they did almost uh, like a like a new universe kind of thing. Not a not a hero's reborn, but if you remember the eighties and the new universe, some of that stuff is translated into current day modern uh, Marvel comics. What would star brand and that sort of thing. So yeah, um, J two he he, tiny juggernaut juggernaut jr basically old juggy j juggy jr we'll call him double j so there's those that kind of thing could be happening today throughout those kind of readings i don't have any trading cards nearby to do a random trading yes i do all right so this is going to be geek out loud and and it's also kind of stalling till scott gets here I and mean, if he doesn't get here that's fine understand uh i told scott i know he's got a lot on his plate right now and so i'm not going to Give him a hard time if he doesn't show up, but we will have some fun regardless uh and uh, looking forward to doing that so uh before we get too deep into it, want to say uh thank you so much for uh all your support using the amazon links at geekoutonline.com dot com and geekoutpodcast dot com and uh, especially to those of you who support us via patreon patreon dot com slash geek is um is, is, is where you can do that if you're so inclined or you're in a position to be able to help. So I want to read something that came from our friend Justin Grant, uh, Patreon supporter Justin Grant. And he said, I'll tell you one of the reasons uh, my wife and I contribute. One day it came to us that we have an absurd cable, cable bill and a ridiculous Internet bill. We were being raked over the coals for packages and entertainment that did not fit our beliefs or values, and we were paying for it. At the same time, we realize we experience more joy and true laughter through the Goloverse. Plus, we get to listen and even hang out and chat with people that were into the things that we love. Really, it was a no-brainer to support the things, uh, the thing that brings happiness to our whole family. Um, so uh, he said, thank you for what you do. Thank you for just being you and letting the rest of us in. No, thank you. And i tell you what, that is a uh, thank you for selling Patreon to me. Um, it's, no one's ever kind of explained it to me that way. and 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 that's super kind of you to say and and really that's what we try to do with all the shows in the goal of even though we've been kind of a it's been a weird year you know getting things after the big crash at the end of last year and trying to get everything rebuilt and reset and then you know you move into the the season of life that i've moved into toward the end of the year it has been kind of hard kind of finding our, our footing again but we're trying to provide you with content over at patreon and we're trying to make it fun uh through everything that we do um you know, and that's you know, and, and really the Patreon stuff, the the content we provide. I mean, that's a huge thanks to people like Shaz Bazaar and Eric Chernovice and Adam Bray, um, and uh, and we've got other things in down the line that we're really trying to get, you know, up and running for Patreon. So we're we're trying not to leave you out in the cold as it comes to Patreon content. But if you are in a position to help the channel out, to help the show out. To help the network out, we'd appreciate you heading over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud and and, and doing what you can do. And understand that it is so, so, so very appreciated by me. I can't thank you enough for that. So one of the ways I like to show my appreciation is reading your email. So let's jump in the (laughs) mailbag. So I want to pull back the curtain a little bit here. And um, I've got a, I've got a folder in on my hard drive. That's gold geek out loud. And in that folder, there are other little folders and some different cuts and that sort of thing. And I have one that's just drops. And so I have the intro, I have the mail song there um, edited down. I have um, the, uh, the, um, what else I got? and just different things. And there are different folders in there and all. And, and and anyhow, the the title for the Hey Mr. Postman that, that, that I've clipped down and edited, it fades out and everything for me, is Mail Seg, S-E-G. Like mail, like you get a mail box, and seg, S-E-G. Because, truth be told, I was in my 30s before I realized that S-E-G-U-E is Segway. I sincerely, until I was in my 30s, this is less than a decade ago, thought that Segway was S-E-G-W-A-Y, and when I saw S-E-G-U-E, I always thought it was like Seg, some kind of fancy shortening for segment, like some kind of fancy abbreviation, like, oh, this is how people really in the business say, you know, this is our segment here. Um, I it, it never dawned on me that the U-E is is pronounced oh uh, there. So Segway, yeah. So... Uh, Basically, the electric company failed me in, in that one. Um, I, I had no idea. And I'm kind of embarrassed about that, but it hit me tonight as I was kind of putting these things down. I'm like, you know what? I didn't realize that Segway was spelled that way until I was like a grown man and should have known years ago. So as you listen to this, um, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. that The person you're listening to was a grown man. Before he realized that. Now, if you're just now realizing that, don't tell me. don't be Steve. <laughs> don't be like Steve. Don't admit to everyone, hey, I just learned something on Geek Out Loud. Unless you're under the age of, mm, I'm going to say 21. Um, you know, it, it, college age, maybe I'll give you a pass. I don't give myself a pass on that. Anyhow, let's get into these, into these emails here. Uh, we've got a few. Um, let's see um kevin hall says hey steve i was away for a while and in binge listening to old episodes anyway doesn't the music in the recent jungle book remake trailer 2015 sound like music from the flash i have no idea kevin haven't seen that trailer in over three years now i guess uh, so um i i don't i don't know I'd have to go back and listen to it. But speaking of music, I'll tell you one of the things that has been happening in my life is I've really been thinking about the music of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's something that uh, over the past decade or so I've been a little bit critical of. Uh, You know, one of the things that I was most excited about Captain America the First Avengers was the First Avenger is that he had a theme and it was like great to have a superhero with a real theme again. And and then um, they kind of undid that when Henry Jackman did the music for Captain America: Winter Soldier, and I was like, why didn't we get the theme again? And then I listened to Civil, I, I, and then in Civil War, it's like none of this stuff is coming back. You know where where are the themes? And and then um, you know you you it just seemed to be a little disjointed. But every time one of those older themes pop up in a newer Marvel movie, I really get the chills. I get excited, and so I thought, you know what? I wonder. Am I not giving all of these soundtracks enough? Do I I want to go back and listen and see, you know, give them... Because I didn't devour and consume them the way I would have, you know, back in the early 2000s, the Attack of the Clones soundtrack or the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack. I, I just kind of um, would listen to them once and kind of be done with it, you know? So I am. I've really been thinking about going back and doing that and having a show centered around that. So now that I've said it probably won't happen... But what I would like from you is what are your favorite uh Marvel Cinematic Universe cuts off of soundtracks I'm not going to say themes but off of the scores and this is you know from from Iron Man through uh Avengers Infinity War what are some of your favorite tracks or cuts off of these different albums and because I really do think I'm going to have a have a um have an episode where I kind of discuss those but it, it, that's going to take a little bit of work on my part to kind of listen through these things and and so I'm I'm kind of hoping to do that over the course of the next month or so, just to really kind of pay attention. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Matthew Marks says, Hey, Steve, it was great to hear another episode of Geek Out Loud. Definitely understand being busy with all the wedding planning and the wedding happening. Congratulations, by the way. I'll second Wendy's comment about it being weird, how excited I am for you. But I do consider you friend, friend, even though we've never met in person. For what it's worth, I think you understand something that a lot of people don't. While the wedding itself is an exciting day, the thing to be excited about is being married. I wish you and your fiancé a lifetime of happiness. She's now my wife. May you love each, more, each other more every day and bring each other closer to Jesus. I hope that's what we're doing. Um, I think I've brought her closer to Jesus just because she's praying a lot more now that she's having to put up with me uh, 24 hours a day. So, anyway, I've been loving all the Patreon content. It's been great to hear some of the Big Honking Show episodes that were never previously on the podcast feed. I'm not usually able to tune in live, so getting to hear those episodes was a treat. When I have been able to jump on the chat, it's been great hanging out with the Zoo Crew, aka the greatest listening, podcast listening audience on earth. No, I'm sorry, they're the greatest. Listen, you, ladies and gentlemen, are the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Forceology has been amazing as well. It's got me thinking about my force and how, similar, how it is both similar and different to the aspects of my own faith. Speaking of Patreon, I have an idea for my new superpower the ability to absorb explosions and reflect them back on his enemies this is not to be confused with my real life ability to absorb explosions which causes my skin to turn black and fall off uh yeah Mar matthew was involved not long ago in a in a bad in in a bad um i i guess it was last year a bad explosion at work um and you can read more about all that at uh, geeky geekycatholicdad.com Matt, i'm glad you had a good recovery full recovery And, uh, and that is a great superpower for you. I need to, that's another thing I need to do is get that wall of fame rebuilt. We've got to rebuild the Patreon wall of fame. Brian Beatty has chimed in asking about, uh, donations to Cure. The way it's set up is we can't really set up a page that'll start up, uh, until for the, that week of the actual, um, marathon for the cure marathon uh, that we do every year in january um and i know you want to go ahead and donate i would just say go ahead and donate to cure or um one of the things that that has been brought to my attention in the past couple of years with my niece and everything is this this sma spinal muscular atrophy which is um a genetic disorder that you know needs just as much research and and everything as, as cancer does just to help these kids that are born with it to live, um, to be able to function and live a regular life. It's a condition where you, you're, you're genetically, like I say, it's a genetic condition where the, the hormone or the gene, uh, the gene that's supposed to produce protein that helps your body grow and your muscles develop mass doesn't produce that protein. And, um, and so you end up with children who are born with this to different levels of severity and so you you end up with people that have breathing issues most of them are never able to walk barely able to lift arms some not even able to lift their heads um and you know any time they're sick it's dangerous because you know your muscles your your diaphragm and the muscles that are you help you cough and and breathe and that sort of thing are weaker than they they should be because nothing is being produced right so Sometimes those with SMA end up with heart difficulties, and and so the the idea is uh, they're really researching ways to try to counteract the problem to to help the body produce its protein. There is a treatment that is relatively new that that um, that has some positive things, but so we're looking at maybe somehow figuring out a way to uh, help uh, some SMA um, charities along too. So I would say if you go to Cure, um. You can go make the donation on your own and 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 let them know that you're doing and then let them know that you're doing this on behalf of the Goliverse marathon that happens every year. And uh and then we can add that to our uh tally as we get into the the actual marathon come January, which stay tuned for news about that as well. So thank you, Brian, for your willingness to go ahead and do that. Uh greatly appreciate you taking part in that. Um, Jay Schmidt says, I was just listening to the last podcast and heard you say you're engaged. I want to offer my congratulations to you and the future, Mrs. May God bless you both in your marriage in the years to come. Uh, one thing I've learned over the past 19 years of our marriage is our lives are a precious gift from God and how amazing and humbling it is my wife chooses to share her gift with me. Bless you, Steve. And that is from Jay. Thank you, Jay. And, uh, yes, um, I, I am honored. I, I say it all the time that my wife got the short end of the deal um when it comes to um our relationship that i i really i married up so to speak so um so thank you jay for those well wishes and thank you everyone that got so many well wishes over the past month and uh you know we got married a month ago yesterday uh, as at the time of this recording and uh and it's been good man we had a we had a great vacation away from everything after the wedding and and just a good time to uh, it was it was really nice to be able to recharge batteries and everything. And now getting into a routine together has been kind of fun. And and it's uh, and and learning when and how we can do all these podcasting things is also important. But she, my wife Haley, she is big support of the podcast. Wanted well, I me, mean, you know, that's one of the things we talked about before we got married. She's like, you got to keep doing this, right? You're going to keep doing it. I'm like, yeah. She's a big fan of D- Disney Vault Talk. So speaking of which, look for the Monsters Inc. episode coming, S-O-O-N, soon. And by soon, I mean those of you listening live. You'll probably see it tonight in your podcast feed. So, And then uh, not many days after that, we'll have our Finding Nemo up. So, so some good stuff happening. Um, so you want to email us. I'd love to hear from you about whatever's going on with you. There's a lot of geeky stuff happening. Aquaman's going to be coming next month, as is Bumblebee, as is uh what else is coming next month uh not mm, there was it seemed like there was something else creed 2 has happened we do have an email about creed 2 from clark wilson and clark i got your email i have not read it because it looked like it was a long email and uh that meant it was spoilery and i've not had a chance to see creed 2 yet and i did not want to be spoiled on it so thank you for sending that in hopefully next episode we'll be able to read that as hopefully next episode I will have watched Creed 2. But I know coming out in December, we got Bumblebee, we got Aquaman, there's the Mary Poppins deal. And uh just on the horizon, more Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, Captain Marvel, then Avengers Endgame. And I'm really not sure. I know you got Spider-Man Far From Home coming sometime after Endgame. And there's no telling what else is coming down the road. Um so will Black Panther 2, just just a lot of good stuff happening, of course. Uh, January begins the march uh, toward Star Wars Episode Nine, whatever that will look like. So uh, we'll be talking about all of that, I'm sure, as we merrily, we roll along. Um, The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. This is where I need musical segues, and I forgot to pull up any extra music other than what I've got. Um... I wonder if I can do this without messing up the computer too bad here. My my computer is dying. Um I expect that this will be the last year and understand this computer is that I've been that I've been podcasting on is probably I'm going to say 8 years old. Uh the earliest podcasts were done on a very small machine in my church office. This this computer was built not long after I started podcasting in 2007, 2008. And uh, and so most of the shows have been done on this computer with some external hard drives being attached to it. But this thing is just, it's been a beast. It really has. And in, in the past year or two, it's just gotten to where it's unreliable. So it's it's about time to take it and put it out of its misery as we pray for a new computer. So um, so if I ever try to launch a program or something, it's always kind of a, a crapshoot as to whether or not it's going to go. Um so oh yeah, Texas Cow Patty in the in the chat mentioned Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Which is interesting. It's an animated um it's a it's an animated Spider-Man movie that kind of flew under the radar with me except for a few. I thought it was like a direct-to-video kind of thing and then come to find out it's actually being released in theaters and I'm like, "What is going on?" And Nick from New Girl is Peter Parker of the 616 universe and and it's kind of um It really is kind of a play off of the whole Spider-Verse story arc that went on in the Spider-Man comics last year, Um, which was an interesting deal, which, you know, we never really talked about. I'd like to talk, I may talk about that a little bit as we get into something later on in the show. Um, So let's see here. Let me see if I can find just some fun music to to segue with. Speaking of... It's going to be very Marvel heavy in this episode, so we might as well just play some Marvel music throughout the episode. Uh, Yeah, there we go. that's music from the original iron man movie uh iron man the the self-titled <laughs> it's the self-titled movie uh by iron man himself uh iron man uh it's driving with a top down it's i believe it's track number one off of the original soundtrack um composed by ramin djawadi djawadi i'm sorry i don't know how to, i never did learn how to pronounce his last name and that's a terrible person i me. Mean, But that was kind of the stuff that was going on. I think that was kind of the track that everyone really got into and liked, but I I was kind of hoping to maybe take a look. I'm going to listen through all of it and kind of pick some favorite tracks, and we'll talk about that down the road. One non-Marvel thing that is worth talking about in this episode is this Elseworlds crossover that's going on uh, on all the DC shows right now, the DCW shows, with your Flash and your Arrow and your Supergirl. Uh, I've only watched the one episode. I have not watched any of this season of The Flash, I've not watched Arrow in probably three or four seasons. I uh, haven't watched Supergirl since midway, maybe through season two. And um, wait, no, maybe I'll watch the end of season two, and like two episodes of season three. And I haven't watched Flash honestly since sometime in season three. Um, I just haven't. It, they just it, time and 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 they didn't draw me back in enough to keep wanting to watch them. Not saying they're bad shows, they just, you know, in my life, they got to be where I just couldn't keep up with it. And so, had to, you know, as you get, as certain things come into your life, you have to let other certain things go. As certain things happen with jobs and and stuff, you just kind of have to work out your schedules as it'll work. So, But I did because we are getting together, uh, myself and Derek Russell and a couple of other folks are getting together to cover the Elseworlds crossover on the old shoe feed. So, Starkville House of L coming back around with uh, some World stuff. And I know Derek had, uh, and, and our friend Frank had, um, had covered Krypton. And had, I don't know if that show is still going on sci fi or not. I haven't watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, not saying it's bad. I watched a couple of episodes, thought it was pretty cool. Was really kind of impressed with, with where they went, but I just didn't have the means to continue to watch it. Um, hopefully, it'll show up on the DC Universe app at some point. That'd be cool. That'd be a great place for it to show up um a lot of people have been emailing or not emailing but you know hit me up on facebook or or commenting on twitter i know you love this part and it's when you get the old uh you get the old um the old smallville theme and they were actually in uh they were actually in on the farm on the kent farm from smallville when when it when it cuts on that that was the kent farm they used in the filming of smallville i noticed a few little um things that have been fixed up and different you know they didn't actually go in the barn and where the hayloft was open it's closed up now top and but the house was all painted yellow and everything they never went inside the house they just kind of filmed outside which maybe that family is like hey you know what? we had enough of this over the past over that 10 year span where our farm was taken over but um yeah, so the Kent Farmers, it was really cool. And we'll talk about that on Starkville House of Ale. But one of the things I was really shocked about was as they cut over to that world, whatever earth it is that Supergirl and Superman are on in the Berlantiverse there on CW, in the DCW universe, um, as, they're, as they're switching over that way, uh, it's uh, they uh, it almost was like the first 15 or 20 minutes of the episode was the cold opening For Smallville, and then when they're like, hey, I know where we can go. You know, I didn't roll a tear or anything. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I bet, you know, I rolled a tear. It's got me chills and everything. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a great kind of nod back to that. Of course, a great nod to um, to Smallville, to a show that I loved for 10 years. It's, its full 10-year run. Absolutely loved Smallville. And Smallville um, became, you know, one of the things that really helped me because of my uh, involvement in Starkville House of L and that sort of thing, really helped me kind of get my feet solidified in the whole podcasting world. And so I'm always indebted to that show and I always loved that show. Never forget Smallville, and I won't, you know. And um, But because of my disconnect with Flash and Arrow and Supergirl, I, I, I wasn't, it didn't quite like, oh my gosh, I missed it so much. Now what would have done that for me is if they'd have crossed over to a whole new earth and Clark would have come walking out of that barn carrying a bell of hay, and it would have been old Tom Welling. Like, hey, what are you doing here? Who are you guys? You know, that kind of thing. But it's fine. I mean, I'm not mad that it wasn't. I mean, look, I, I loved what they did. I still like uh, Tyler Hecklin as super Is his name Tyler? Anyhow, the guy that plays Superman, I like his Superman. I like his Clark Kent. Um, the Lois, I hadn't really interacted with at all. I hadn't no I was kind of surprised. We'll talk about all that on Starkville House of L. So check it out. Steric Returns. To talk some superhero stuff as we touch on Elseworlds and talk about Elseworlds, the the Elseworlds crossover, um, on on the on the shoe feed, um, I was uh, I was sent something. I, I was linked to or I was tagged in on a Facebook pay, on a Facebook post by our on by our good friend Michael Bailey from Views from the Long Box. I was he tagged me in a post and he just wrote my name. You know, he just tagged my name and then he left the link there to a video. And the video was I, something I'm not even sure if it's official, but it feels official based on some things, and we'll talk about it. And it's this Bumblebee trailer. It's this new Bumblebee trailer uh, where they use the song they should have been using the whole time. Here we go. Let me tell you something. A driver don't pick the car. Where did you get that beetle? The car pick the driver. Who are you? A mystical bond between man and machine. I'm gonna call you, you know. Alright, so what you just heard in, in in that opening there was uh a remix of the touch that Stan Bush actually did. Uh he called it Sam's theme. We'll play a little bit of that here. And so that's pretty cool, you know. You're like, okay, wow and this is what makes me think it's not official is that someone's using that version of this thing um, Marlon Fan 1995 and I just can't figure out if this is fan edited or not it has to be but it's an incredible um, fan edit if, it's, if, if it is a fan edit and, I, and I'll talk about why momentarily but this, is, this was that version that everyone hated by Stan Bush but I liked it okay Except for this part. Oh no, they didn't do the ramp. They left the ramp out. That's great. Test, loose, now, In most trailers, this next part coming up, it's used as a gag because what plays is never going to give you up. You know, they rickroll him. But here, this is what takes place as she's putting the cassette in his chest. Music can help you say what you're feeling. Try this. Now, right here, it showed Optimus in in a shot we've seen. But I've not seen this shot of Optimus like running and shooting And there's Ravage, there's Shockwave, there's Star you must protect Earth and its people. You got my heart. We have a common enemy created on your planet. You got people out there who need you. you know that when I'm really confused. I feel like it's a fan edit at one hand, and On the other hand, like that little like half a second of Optimus that I've not seen in other trailers. I guess I should have gone and looked to see if it was actually in other trailers or not. Um, but, uh, but the whole idea of them using that song, if they really did, is just awesome. It's something we've been wanting for years and years and years, ever since Michael Bay started coming out with his Transformer movies. So... Um, but a lot of people are seeming to act like like no one's calling anyone out in the YouTube comments about totally not real, man. This is totally a fan edit. Cause usually that's what people do is they'll just call people out for being a fan edit. So, you know, Hey, this is, Hey, this is a fan edit. Don't you know, you should have told us it's a fan edit. I'm really, not, I was excited, but now I'm not because I realize it's a fan edit. It's a really good one. If it is, there's a moment where the music drops out a little too low. That makes me think that it's fan edited. Um, but if it is, it's it's a great one, and it really just kind of gets me pumped for the little bumblebee movie, the little bumblebee movie coming out. <laughs> it's a little bumblebee movie that's coming out. It's great. Um, so you know, uh, it's uh, it's good stuff. I was looking. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to bumblebee just because of like those G one nods and everything. They do a great job, and uh, I mean, the, the, it's something that. You know, we all hope for with the with the Michael Bay Transformers movie, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is, and and they talk about this in a lot of the behind the scenes stuff is, you know, when you start wanting to add some realism to stuff, and I know, you know, transforming robots from another planet not real, but when you want to have a real world feel, and you're seeing these these actual machines that are you know these cars that are actually vehicles that we're familiar with on the road in action. And when they transform, if they just kind of turn into blocks, it it just doesn't work in the real world. And so, you know the the transformations were a little more intricate and that sort of thing. And I don't, you know, it worked for me. I, I like the version that we got. Uh, the Optimus Prime really grew on me. Um, Bumblebee, being a uh, being a Camaro, you know, I learned to live with, as well as all the other things. My problem is, is that is that it wasn't until. uh it wasn't until the fourth um Transformers movie that they were able to actually spend time with the Transformers characters. You know, up until that point it all been human characters because the technology hadn't caught up. But once they kind of got their hands firmly wrapped around the technology of doing these characters, the CG portions of them, we got to spend more time with the characters from, from in four and five than we did in the first three, which is a little unfortunate because you know you i wanted to spend more time with that version of ironhide or that version of ratchet uh would have loved to have gotten to know will actually have will jack on there or um or jazz you know jazz is killed off at the end of the first one and that's kind of sad because jazz was such a prominent figure in the in the original transformers so you know just just a lot of stuff like that where you where you would have liked to spend some more time with more characters than just primarily optimus bumblebee and, and megatron more Starscream, you know, that kind of thing, more Soundwave from from those other movies. So um, so looking forward, really am looking forward to, uh, to what they're doing with Bumblebee. And I, I think it has potential to be something really cool, you know, especially for Transformers fans, you know, people who've been Transformers fans um, for most of their lives, like myself. You know, I was there in the 80s when it happened. I remember those uh those mini series airing and and just being like, Oh, this is awesome. You know, these are the toys that are on the toy island. They're coming alive on the cartoons. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. So that's I mean, I think that was the actual quote from, you know, seven-year-old steve i I think in fact i think i went to the playground at school and i said this is the most amazing thing i've ever seen in my life these toys are coming alive on the on the television screen and i want nothing more but to watch this all my life uh he-man the same way i I, that basically i was speaking of he-man transformers kind of go bots uh gi joe you know and and so and everyone and and all the kids were saying the same thing it's like the time stopped and in my elementary school, there was the playground. And up from the playground, there was this, we, we just called it The Rock, because it was a large rock that was kind of in the ground, a boulder, if you will. That's the nice boulder. Uh, and we would go sit on it and hang out a little bit, you know, and play. It was kind of bass for tag and that sort of stuff. But uh, we all went up there to The Rock, and we stood there, and we each shouted how much we loved Transformers and stuff. We didn't really do that, but we might as well have, you know. I mean, it was like... There was no more Star Wars coming around, you know, after Return of the Jedi, and so uh none of us wanted to admit we watched Ewoks or the droids on Saturday mornings. We were all into the G.I. Joe and the uh and the Transformers and the He-Man. Those are the big 3. I mean, I'm sorry. I know there's some love for the ThunderCats out there, and y'all know I love the theme song to the Silver Hawks and 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 there's a, there's I've seen some articles where people are trying to act like we all forgot about the Silver Hawks. Uh, I know people love some mask, and I loved some mask. You know, I'm not I'm not discounting any of those things, but the walking dog of cartoon slash toy properties in that period of the '80s was GI Joe, the Transformers, and He-Man. Not necessarily in that order, but those were the walking dogs of 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 cartoon slash toy properties. He-Man, I, don't, I maybe I see see you, but see because you had Transformers, they got the movie, they got the actual in-theater, the theatrical-released movie. G.I. Joe didn't end up going to theaters, and they actually changed it to Duke having a coma instead of Duke dying because of the, the backlash of the death of Optimus Prime. Also, the G.I. Joe movie, not as good as the Transformers movie. The He-Man movie? Nowhere near as good. Uh, it, Whether it's the The Secret of the Sword or the Christmas movie, whatever it was, um... For the honor, but it had this weird song. What is that? What was that? He-Man song with the uh, and now Steve is on a tangent. Um, He-Man, She-Ra movie song. For the honor of love, um, I have the power. I think it's I have the power. Instead of you've got the touch, it's I've got the power. Let's see. Now this is weird. Adora, the time is come for you to seek your destiny. Let your heart guide you toward the path that you know to be right. And let this sword. I think this is the from the Secret of the Sword. Path. Yes, it is. Filmation presents Here's, here's my challenge to all my music people out there. I want us to get together and redo this song. Out there, needs me. And it's almost like Adam singing this will, thing. Me, I want the universe to find her, For better or for worse besides. I think we should do this and make it a make it just a BA song. Anyhow, Walking Dog right there uh, of eighties of cartoons is is He Man. I don't know if if He Man I think because it was so cheap to make that Filmation was able to continue on. And, and, the, and the figures were pretty popular. I mean when you when you get to like your third or fourth iteration of He Man, you know, like Thunder Punch He Man and here's the thing, those characters still to this day, I'm 41 years old, and they still capture my imagination when I'm looking at them. You know, when when I go and I just kind of Google Masters of the Universe action figures and just image, just Google image search and see all these different things, I'm like, oh, they were really cool. They were, they weren't as imaginative as you would think they would be, but they were at the same time kind of like just whatever you think of, let's put it on a figure, you know, Mosquitoer. Uh, let's do the guy with the bugging eyes. Let's do a guy that just, his body part comes apart. Let's do a guy with two heads. Let's do a guy that looks like a spider. Let's do a guy that stinks. Let's do a guy with a neck that, you know, goes up and down. Let's do a guy with different faces. Let's do, um, let's do a guy with moss all over him. Let's do a bee man. Let's do a, let's do a hawk man. Let's do all these, you know, and so they would do these different things. And, and it was just kind of like, it was everything as a child. You're like, oh yeah, you should do a guy with a big old metal fist. Oh, do a karate chopping guy. Do, uh, it was, it's the stuff that you would look at and do. And then there'd be stuff that you'd never think of. Elephant Head Man, um, you know, I forget what his name is, like Trunkor Or something like that. And then, and I think that's the thing is where you would get to the dumb names, um, you know, uh, Grizzlore from the Horde, Hordex Evil Horde. Then you get into the Stinkman, Man, King Hiss, and all those guys, Ratlore, um, Cobra Khan and all that, all those different things. It's just like it it was, it was the imagination of a child throwing up over a toy line. That's really what it was. Uh, And then you get over to GI Joe and it, it, in the early GI Joe stuff was very much real world military looking things. And then as that show went on, they're like, we got to make up stuff. And so it became more and more science fiction. And, uh, but, but that cartoon again, that was a really long run on a cartoon. Transformers fizzled out a little bit, I think, earlier than even G.I. Joe may have. Um, I don't know which one ran longest. That's worth looking into, you know. Mask, I think had the toy line for Mask been a slightly bit better as far as the actual figures go, um, it may have had had a few more legs as far as the television run goes, but it did okay. Mask is right out there. Like, you've got, I feel like your core of 80s cartoon toy properties is Transformers, G.I. Joe... He-Man. And then the very next level out from that, you know, just revolving around that, really is only occupied by Thundercats and Mask. Now, in He-Man, I include She-Ra. You know, those those properties come as, as a set. That comes together. Um, GoBots may be on that Outer Ring, too. Uh, GoBots w- were done by Hanna-Barbera, and because I think most people saw them as a transformers ripoff which they were not you know i mean the history there's but i think you know they they got a little less love than the transformers did also i don't know their cartoon was as compelling as the transformers cartoon so you know i think y- your core there transformers gi joe he-man i think the, the outer ring there is if, if you know if you're doing like a, a graph or i don't know what kind of graph it would be but i think the next level down or up depending on how you want to look at it Away from that core is Thundercats, GoBots, Mask, and Mask very much on the preface of coming very close to being part of that core uh, deal. There and then everything else just shoots out of that, like you know, like your Silverhawks, like um, uh, what were the Inhumanoids? I forget what the the name of that cartoon was. Um, your Centurions, your, you know, it's just varying levels of how. Unpopular they were. Beyond that, your Rambo in the Force of Freedom, your Chuck Norris Karate Commandos, uh, you know different things that they tried everything in the eighties, and some th- and some stuff stuck and some stuff didn't, but it was all magical. Like it was really all magical. So um, anyway, how did I get there? Oh, Transformers, talking about the Bumblebee thing. Um, so. I'm really. Something has happened and I'm kind of intrigued by it. We'll talk about it in a minute. I just found an article here. Let me. You know Let me go ahead and jump into this. This is from December 11, 2008, epicstream.com. Uh, it's time to start pumping gas in the hype train as Marvel Comics is teasing something huge for March. Line wide events are pretty normal things in comics these days, but this one is a bit different as these teasers are claiming that Marvel history is destroyed, which is one heck of a way to get people interested in your comics. Is it, though? Because haven't we done that with Secret War, and didn't we kind of do that with Secret Empire? Didn't we do that with One More Day or Brand New Day or whatever the case may be? Uh, Who brought Amazing Spider-Man back after Spider-Man No More? Marvel history is destroyed on March 2019. This is a poster-type ad, and it's got that classic cover of uh, the Spider-Man No More cover with Peter walking away from his suit that's hanging over the garbage can. And it says, who brought him back after that? Then these teasers give us some massive retcons from the original comics, like who gave the Fantastic Four their powers, uh, which is pretty, who brought Amazing Spider-Man back after Spider-Man No More, which is pretty sacrilegious to those that love Marvel. Since this is being done on purpose, we can all assume that this will be a more self-aware event than most, and time travel might be a thing, just like a certain movie coming out next April who found Captain America on ice before the Avengers okay that's uh, another teaser captain america's origin is going to be messed with as well we don't know yet by who or what none of the current none of the current comic books have hit at time travel have made hints at time travel at least not yet well they do universe spanning stuff um who gave the fantastic four their powers i think it'd be interesting you know back in the 90s there was a whole um there was a run with a rogue watcher basically that kidnapped the Fantastic Four, put them on ice, and was watching their dreams. I think it'd be cool to kind of bring someone like that back around, very obscure, you know, and he begins to not only muck with the present, but begins to muck with the history of all of these people. I think that'd be a be a really cool look at, at that. That'd be a cool way to do something like that, because it'd be a villain that, you know, people don't really know about or hadn't really thought about ever. Um and, uh, and and to have him kind of be the big bad behind this thing may be pretty cool. Uh, it 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 seems like something that can be easily undone or fixed uh, on the surface. I got to tell you, I, I really think one of the mistakes that comics have been making over the past since Civil War, at least, are these huge epic crossover events that don't only just have a story. Don't they? Don't just have a one single title that's like a limited series but they go in they span all these other titles and they actually make special titles for them you know so like you'd have um marvel history no more fantastic 4 number 1 and it's just like why are you doing this why don't you do this in the pages of the fantastic 4 or you know the, and it's just kind of like it it becomes such a burden to collect and read comics because of these things um that the fun kind of gets sucked out of it and then it's like every event has to be a big event I would take five years off from doing a big event and and even maybe promote that we're not doing big events anymore, you know, and then people like, oh, sure, you're not. But give them five or six years of no big events and just getting to know these characters again and letting these characters kind of just exist on their own and maybe cross over with each other, show up in each other's books once in a while. And then, boom, you know, a few years down the road, do a big crossover event. It's not necessarily earth shattering, earth shaking, but it's just like a big threat. They all have to come together to fight. Like, you know that that's the. Other, it's just uh, comics have just a lot of the fun has been sucked out over the past several years, and it, because of the direness of all the situations and the characters have just become unlikable. Some of the characters have been, and I remember leading into the Secret War thing, uh, the, the, or the new Secret Wars thing that went on, um, a couple of years back. Just reading like this whole the the whole cabal of Reed Richards and Black Panther and Doctor Strange and Tony Stark and all the the Illuminati I'm just like man none of the, I don't like any of these people and I don't like what they've become and I don't like the compromises they've made you know I, I'm very Captain America that way but um you know that's just me I'm one person but I think the sales have kind of represented that as well that they're just really not that fun anymore I'll tell you what has what was fun well let me give you another example of something that's not really fun and it's the first issue. Now, granted, this was six months ago when it came out, but I've just read it on the Marvel Unlimited app. It's the first issue of the Immortal Hulk. This is the return of Bruce Banner. Um, he died at Civil War Two. He had apparently asked Hawkeye to kill him, um, you know, if, if something should happen. But uh, man, this this whole thing opens up dark and and just not. Ha- I mean, not in a good way. Like it's not. Uh, I mean, it opens up with a, with a little girl getting shot in, in a robbery at a convenience store and then Bruce Banner getting shot in the head before he can turn into the Hulk at the same robbery in the convenience store. But night falls and Bruce Banner in the morgue um, ends up turning into the Hulk and going after the guy who shot everybody at the convenience store. And the Hulk is smart. And he's basically in the dude's face saying this was her name. She was this year's old. She was twelve, you know. And and then the Hulk basically puts this guy in the hospital and Coleman, you're like, great, he did the right thing. But man, it's so dark and just you know, and I don't and the Hulk seems evil, and Bruce is like, Well, I can't die. You know, it, it goes back to and so I don't know. I, I do know that at the end, uh it's it's written by um let me let me pull this it's got a quote at the beginning from uh Carl Young. It says, Man is, on the whole, less good than he imagines himself or wants to be. Um and and so that's how the whole thing opens. So you you already get the fact that you know this is gonna go beyond just being an antihero to probably being kind of an evil uh <laughs> you know, just not a good Hulk. And so um it's written by Al Ewing uh the the art's actually really pretty good. Joe Bennett did the art and it, it doesn't look bad. It's an Alex Ross cover. You know, and Alex Ross is always great. But um Al Ewing then wrote some stuff uh as far as his introduction to the to the Hulk and and what he thought um and and what's kind of informing him writing this. And it's, you know, and it's good stuff. And I and like I say I'm going to give him a shot, give this continue to give this because I love the Hulk, but I think this is part of the thing that's, that's going on with comics these days. The Captain America title right now is just really weird. You know, it's like, it's not, it's like, I don't know. It, it, you just kind of read through some of this stuff, and it's, I understand you want to break down your characters to get to other things. The two-in-one thing in the Human Torch, Marvel two-in-one, has actually been pretty good. It's Fantastic Four without Reed and Sue. Uh The Avengers... New title that started about six months ago was pretty interesting. The Celestials Falling Out of the Sky, basically. Um, and then there's Amazing Spider Man. And, um, I just read issue 800, which was the conclusion, uh, and I mean a huge conclusion to uh, the story arc called Go Down Swinging or the Red Goblin, um, story arc. And, uh, it is, um, Basically what happened to lead to this is Norman Osborn had become immune to the goblin serum. And so the goblin serum couldn't turn him into the green goblin. He and and throughout a lot of the stories that have been going on in Amazing Spider-Man, he'd been trying to find a way to uh, turn himself back into the green goblin. And and what he finally found was the Carnage symbiote. So he merges, he he takes on the Carnage symbiote and suddenly he's not just the green goblin anymore. He's the red goblin. Um And there's a whole series of events. And I mean, people almost die and flash Thompson gets involved as anti-venom, you know, agent anti-venom instead of, and, and, and Spider-Man actually takes on the venom symb- symbiote to fight him. And, um and the thing is it, what this, what this end of this storyline did was it, it was a classic good Spider-Man action story there wasn't a lot of um there was no political repartee in it you know like hey we gotta we gotta do this because of this thing or that thing there is a character that dies and they honor the character so well at the end I i think uh and then there's a great epilogue um after the what they call after the credits it's it's actually pretty cool you you go through uh, a couple of pages of the, like, the mailbag, and then there's a variant cover gallery, so you can see the different covers that people have done for Spider-Man 18, Amazing Spider-Man 18. And then it's the next issue, you know, page, and then you keep, and I'm just on the, uh, I'm on the app, so I'm to keep kind of swiping over to get to the inside and close. It says, so you stayed after the credits, smart move, and it goes to a cool epilogue, um, setting up, Dr. Octopus infiltrating uh, under a guise of, uh, of of a different name uh, Horizon Lab so it's a really neat it was a great end to that arc and, and it's Dan Slott wrapping up his time there and I was really impressed because you know Spider the Amazing Spider-Man has been hit or miss for me over the past few years um, you know it's either been a little too uh Spider-Man's either been a little too weak or it's just been too, um, you know, too big. It's been too big a historic. This really got back down to the heart of, of Spider-Man and, and, and the villains that he fights and it got to be a very family thing. Like, you know, it's like, I'm going to go take out Aunt may and I'm going to send this person over here to do this. I'm going to, and so it's just like, you know, the people that he cares about are suddenly in the crosshairs of his villain, of his greatest foe. And, and his greatest foe is jacked up to 11 and there's no, you know, and it, it's like, how's he going to stop him this time? It's just a good classic superhero story. And I really, really liked it. Um, as you get, because as you look back through the few past few years of, of of Spider-Man, you know, he had Parker Industries and then that collapsed and he was like a pariah. And, you know, it's just, every, there's so much that has changed. I remember back after Civil War, you know, Peter Parker's identity being revealed and everything. And he was an Avenger and all this different stuff. And suddenly they decided, you know what? No one can relate to Peter Parker. The kids can't relate to Peter anymore. So we're going to have him make a deal with the devil. And he and Mary Jane aren't going to be- The whole thing was, is people can't relate to Peter being married. And that's really what it was. You know, kids can't get it. You know, a bunch of... You know, if young people are reading this and they're not married, they can't relate to him. So they totally made Peter single again. Well on this journey into now who he is he becomes this huge ceo of this corporation no one can relate to that i think fewer people can relate to that than actually falling in love and and getting married even if you're single you can kind of understand the the natural progression of things and i was a kid when i started reading spider-man in in the late 80s early 90s when i started reading comics and and he had gotten married to mary jane watson and it was fine and i never looked at that and said i just can't relate to this guy you know it it added a different layer to him but he was always kind of down on his luck and and very seldom did he have all his ducks in a row with things so anyway just saying all that to say i thought it was a great story um i think they've been really trying to pull peter back to his roots as much as possible and uh as an adult though and not a teenager and and this kind of did some of that and it's it's been some good stuff you know there's also been some other things to kind of set up like the 2099 universe and um and that's been kind of fun to read through and watch so but speaking of marvel uh, there was something else that kind of dropped uh this past week and I, i just kind of for me it came out of nowhere i didn't know to be waiting for this or looking for this it just kind of came out of nowhere When I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you. Thanos did exactly what he said he was gonna do It's me. Can you buzz me in? Uh look, what I over on the on the big surface, what I love about that trailer is just how dire and how serious it is. And and then uh, it cuts to the whole scene with Scott outside the gate. Last time we saw Scott, he was in the quantum realm. And so obviously we'll figure out how he we'll find out how he gets out of there. Uh but also as we look at that trailer there's a couple of things that stand out to me number one the tears and capsize as they talk about you know what's going on half of the universe half of the earth just wiped out like that the tony stark moment is is really emotional anytime stark gets serious you know uh robert downey jr does a great job of those moments you know because he he slips in a little bit of the the stark wit but it it's done in such a way to make you so sad you know um like where he says, you know, being adrift in space is more fun than you think. Um, but then he says, like the sweetest thing, when I drift off, I'll be dreaming of you. It's always you. You know, that's that's huge, man. That's I mean, that is Tony Stark and Pepper Potts. Um, predictions. I'm going to go ahead and make predictions. Tony is going to be saved by one Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, who is on her way back to Earth to answer the call that Nick Fury put out uh at the end, <clears throat> literally at the end of Avengers Infinity War as um as as after the, the, the post credit scene was rolling. Um and I think she's gonna find Tony and Nebula who will be in that ship with Tony uh and get them back to Earth safely and and then the end game will actually begin. Um meanwhile I don't know what Steve and Black Widow are doing but I love the the other part I just love about this trailer is the reveal of Hawkeye. You know, because that was another one of the questions like where's Hawkeye? Why isn't he involved? What's going on? And I think I I predict what we're going to find out is he's lost his family. The, the the key to the end of Infinity War is the ones that are left. Um when it comes to the the people of everyone who died and and disappeared, the people who were left. Thor, Cap, Tony, Black Widow, we definitely now see Hawkeye. These are, and Hulk, Bruce Banner. These are the original Avengers. These are the ones from 2012 Avengers. This is the team. Tony said, if we can't save the Earth, you can be dang well sure we'll avenge it. And these are Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Um, If anyone can can undo what has been done, it's them. It's that crew. You throw Ant-Man into that mix, and you're good to go i mean like it's just there it is you know and so look bring it on now you know surprise me with a christmas release of this (laughs) because i i don't i'm not against captain marvel and the the trailer we had for captain marvel is really cool scrolls are surprising me you'll hear more about this on the patreon um super saturday coming up with erish and adam and myself but you know, I was, I was really su- surprised to see scrolls in, in in this Marvel Cinematic Universe because I sincerely thought that they were going to be a Fox property because their first appearance was in Fantastic Four, and Fantastic Four is Fox, and and I kind of assumed that you kind of had right of first review. Refuel- the way I understood it, and this is from years ago, is that if a character was involved in your book first, but I, that wouldn't have worked because Daredevil, Kingpin wasn't involved in Daredevil first. I don't think. All right, here we go. Uh, now we're going down a rabbit hole. Marvel, Kingpin first appearance. I'm pretty sure it was Spider-Man where um, the Kingpin first appeared, but I know for a fact it was Scrolls. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man number 50 is where the Kingpin first appeared, so I don't know why he wouldn't have been in... um. I don't know why he wouldn't have been how he got licensed to the daredevil stuff. See, that's the, the licensing of these characters is just so so weird to me. Um, and as we all know, uh, you know, let's just be real. As we all know, it should be silver surfer coming to save Tony, but because of all these weird licensing rights, you know, he's not there and that's fine. I'm not bitter about that or anything. Uh, but I'm just really surprised in that Captain Marvel trailer to see the scrolls. Um, Someone said maybe we're headed towards Secret Invasion. Let me just say I hope not. Uh, That's not something I want. I mean, I I trust Marvel Cinematic Universe to do something like that, but it's just not... uh, Secret Invasion was a little bit of a disappointment to me, and I I can't think of the big crossover event that hasn't been a disappointment to me since Civil War with the Marvel Universe, unfortunately. Um, But, and I hate to be the the old, you know, naysayer of the whole thing, but... Um look the uh the, the, the back to this Avengers in game thing. I love the fact that it's called Endgame. I like the fact that we didn't hear the Avengers theme in there, but maybe hopefully in the next trailer we'll actually get that Avengers theme. But I'm telling you, I've been doing kind of a casual rewatch of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in release order. I'm up to Doctor Strange right now. I can't I I know people dog on Iron Man Two and Thor the Dark World you know those are the ones that get the most hard time from everyone um i i love them i th- there's not a movie yet in this marvel cinematic universe that i just don't like as as i go through you know I, guardians is wonderful i if anything and i'm going to have to and i'll be watching again coming up soon in the uh in, in the rewatch but any if anything guardians 2 was weaker than guardians 1 and I don't know that I'm as big a fan of Thor Ragnarok as everyone else is. I'm I'm a huge fan of the Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. Um, I, I, I still worry a little... I still am, am... Not worry. I still... The humor still trips me up a little bit in Thor Ragnarok. I felt like it was too funny given the subject matter. But look, that's not to say they didn't do a great job with it. It's not to say it's not a good movie. It, it is a fantastic film. And I love the Jack Kirby influence on all the designs and everything. Uh, and it's the perfect precursor to infinity war because you really do need that lightness after you know before you get into the heaviness of infinity war and infinity war is heavy and it's such a heavy ending and and it and it breaks my heart every time i start to watch some of that in stuff you know because and i know look i said it back when we talked about infinity war i get that this is not the end i know that there's a spider-man sequel and a black panther sequel and all this stuff planned that's fine but this is reading comic books by watching them on the big screen and the and, and what we had in was a cliffhanger. And so it's not, oh, they're dead, they're never come back. It's how do we get out of this one? How do we fix what's been done? How can you possibly win, you know, after you've lost so badly? And and to me, that's the story of Avengers Endgame. And I can't I, I'm really looking forward to to that. Because as much as Infinity War was the fulfillment of a promise that was made you know back in 2012 and that in in the in the post credit sequence or the mid credit sequence of the avengers um you know in game is the promise of wrapping up completely you know 10 years of the marvel cinematic universe and i'll be honest with you I, you know obviously they're not going to reboot but man if they did reboot and just start all over again with some especially you know if the spock thing does finally go through you know, to reboot and start over having the fantastic four and the X-Men and just kind of redoing the cinematic. That's fine with me too. Bring it on. Take my money. We'll have Marvel cinematic universe one and Marvel cinematic universe two. And it'll be awesome. And, uh, especially if Kevin Feige is, is in charge because he has done, he has done as some would say, the Lord's work there, uh, at Marvel studios. It has just been, I cannot, I'm telling you, cannot wait, can, cannot wait. For Avengers Endgame, and there's been so much said about it. I'm going to check the um, about the uh, let's see what see what people are saying here. Chris Roulette says the worst one is still very watchable, and I can enjoy myself. Uh, Cattle Boss says I think there may be a new set of movies focusing on what is going/slash happening to the heroes uh, that got dusted. I believe are in alternate reality. I don't think so. I think they're going to come back, and and we're just going to move forward as though nothing ever happened. Maybe a little bit of maybe a little bit of PTSD from them. You know, I tell you this, and this is one of those things that, uh, you know, another thing that's kind of bothered me about comic books and superheroes as of late, you know, Iron Man three, Tony's dealing with PTSD from what happened in Avengers. And, and I thought about this as I was rewatching Iron Man three, that's the other weak one to me, I think is, is Iron Man three, even though it's still very good. Um, and and this has kind of happened in the comics and stuff and, and everything. I think one of the things that as kids, you know, way back in the, a long time ago and, and, you know, even in the 90s and stuff, I think the thing one of the things we really liked about these comics is there was one character who had any level of PTSD from what he went through, and that was The Punisher. You know, the Punisher was who he was based on what had happened to his family in front of him, you know, right in front of him. His whole family had been wiped out um, by the mob. And so he he went on this, this punishing spree. Um, Spider-Man makes the choice he makes because of loss that he could have prevented. Um, but, you know, the Fantastic Four decide to be the Fantastic Four just because they've got these powers and they've got to use them for good. Um, you get into... You know, uh, the, the Stanley did a great job when he created these characters, and we'll talk about Stan Lee in, in just a moment to kind of wrap up, but when he created these characters, he did a great job of making them a little bit flawed, to add that humanity to them, something that hadn't been done to the legends of the DC universe at that point. But they never focused on the flaws so much that they became detrimental and the characters became unlikable. You run the risk when you try to make these things too wor- real world of um of making these characters unlikable. And 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 it's one of the things I thought about. You know, you never growing up, you never really dealt with characters like, oh no, that last one really messed me up and I just gotta go get some counsel and I gotta do this and you know, and I'm making bad decisions because if Tony was a drunk at one point in his in the story. I know in the comics. My whole argument's falling apart right now, in a way. But also these adventures didn't mess with these people mentally, and some people say, "Well, they should have," and that's one of the problems with comics. I don't think so. I think that that's where you get into your fantasy stuff, and that's where you get into the escapism of it all. And so, I think you have to be careful with how much you let these things really mess up. Once the victory has been won, you know, I, I feel like sometimes they got to be able to bounce back because in real, in the real life, in the in the real life, if uh, if you were fighting to beat this cosmic threat and he snapped his fingers and half of life and you watch people turn to dust. Even if you fight him and come back and bring everyone back, you're not going to come back from, you know, holding a, holding a teenager in your arm as he turns to dust and says he doesn't want to go or watching your best friend who you thought you watched die back in the forties, just kind of disappear and vanish again. Or, um, yeah, or watching a tree just rot away suddenly as a raccoon cries over him. and, And then he disappears. All this stuff you know, you, you don't just bounce back from that ever in your life. Um, and so, you know, you gotta be careful about where you, where you take the real world, in my opinion, because, you know, you just, you want them to just buy into the adventure and the win and the victory of it all and, and win the day and, and, and just celebrate, uh, possibly with Ewoks when it's all said and done. Um, Finally, before we close up, I don't think Scott's gonna make it to do an MU read through, but we do have that scheduled to do and uh and, and we're gonna be looking at um looking at those issues of the Fantastic Four done by Jack Byrne or Jack Byrne, John Byrne that we talked about. And uh I would uh if you hadn't read those, I would go back and read those. And then I think the next one, he asked he let me choose uh where we wanted to go next. And so I said let's do some Peter David Incredible Hulk. And um and so uh I would choose for that if you've got the Marvel Unlimited app um I I would read Wow uh Peter David didn't come on until Issue three thirty one, and at this point, Hook uh, was gray, and and he had to deal. We still had some stuff, some fallout from what had gone on in issues three twenty three through issue three thirty. Um, so, I, I haven't quite chosen which issues to to go with yet, but um i tell you what well, that's what we're going to do so if you want to if you want to just kind of do do a lot of reading i would start at 323 and read just read and enjoy and then uh and then when we do the the MU read through episode um i'll throw out which specific peter david issues that you may want to jump into and i'm thinking we may do the countdown story arc which is uh 364 to 367 and or we may actually do 372 up to 377 and um and 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 get into some of that stuff there so uh but I tell you if you start at 323 um you, I don't know that you can go wrong with just reading on through peter david has a one-off issue at 328 and then from there uh it's just a couple issues and and you're off to the races with one of the one of the long one of the best runs in comics of all time and that was his 13 year run on the incredible hulk so uh that's where we'll be going but speaking of marvel you know it's been very marvel centric episode and and rightfully so uh especially considering last month this past month we lost uh stan lee uh in the geek world, uh in and in, in those of us who are tuned into pop culture, you, you don't need anyone to tell you about who Stanley was, uh what he meant to all of us, and and just how important he was. the you know, all of those things I've not really had an opportunity since he passed to talk about it. Um but I will say that I remember as a child watching Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, and this, and this voiceover coming on. This is Stan Lee, um, and I remember is it Stan Lee or is it Stan Lee? And who is this guy? You know. And then as you get into comics, you realize, oh, he's the guy that did all this. He's the one that came up with these people. And then as you get to know more, you find out you know along with Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and you know all these. He he did so much work on all these things, and when you go back and you read those early Marvel comics, and you see that between what Stanley did and and Jack Kirby did with these characters, and Steve Ditko did with these characters, and the way that there's so much in those early issues with these characters that just set up everything that is to come, and um and and it's it's amazing the imagination and the work rate that these guys had and how they worked together and what they did and and kind of all with Stanley heading up the heading up things you know um it, it's amazing if there is a for the geek out loud universe and and i think even you know this may be true for um for all of pop culture if there's a mount rushmore if you want to do that mount rushmore thing I really feel like you you go to people who genuinely change the landscape of pop culture. You know, I, I think you put Stan Lee on there. I think you put George Lucas. Um, I, I, I the, you know, those are two that I think you put on there just because of their contributions to all these things. There are individual writers and individual creators who did things like Batman and Superman, you know, and 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 Wonder Woman. Who, but. But Stanley, out of the mind of Stanley came the Incredible Hulk, the Fantastic Four, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, Daredevil, the X Men. You know all of these things, these lasting things from the mind of one man. You know, uh, working with, working in conjunction with these artists who help him bring to life these different characters. You know that he came, that he came up with, and began to write for And and um, you know. So I think you put him up there with. With a George Lucas, and I and and I think that, you know, musically as far as modern pop culture goes, you know, I think you what you do, you've got your cinematic, which is George Lucas, your comic book, which is Stanley. Uh, musically, I would almost have to go with with a John Williams, just because of the touchstone that he is for so many huge pop culture movie moments, and um and Walt Disney. You know, I, I really do think that those, you know, just as far as General Entertainment goes, I think there's a Mount Rushmore for you. And I think that Stan Lee is right up there with a Walt Disney, with a George Lucas, with a Jim Henson, you know, and and, and I, I was on my honeymoon when I found out he died, and it was, you know, it was one of those moments It was just kind of sad. It's like, oh, you know, but he was 95 years old, and, um, you know, and he was a go-getter Uh, you know and and again i have no stories of meeting stan lee i just know what the comics that he created the characters that he created um mean mean to me And, and what you know how much enjoyment i got out of all that he did you know all that he created and brought to the table. I'll never forget in the 90s reading his little Stan soapbox where he's hyping up the Fantastic Four movie, hyping up this Captain America movie, you know, and all, and I'm like, and then when you see him, it's like, poor Stan, he had to hike this stuff up like he was excited about it, but he was so good at doing stuff like that. So certainly he'll be missed and certainly his presence at different cons and, you know, his fun stories and the way that he was just so kind to fans and would, you know, even though you could tell there were times where he was just tired and worn out, how, how much he 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 did enjoy meeting and and doing for fans and um and uh, i would check out if i were you i would check out as many interviews with stanley as i can and find out how often he said the same things and used the same jokes but then there are some great interviews where people kind of got him to let his guard down a little bit and he talked a little more realistically about you know the comic book industry when he got started in it and and how his life went and and what mattered to him, and what was important, and it's just a, you know, it's just a great figure in pop culture, to look to and and see that man, this guy did did a lot, and so he'll definitely be missed as we, as we move forward in in our pop culture journey. His cameos will be missed. Once um, uh, once that's done, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird with no Stanley cameos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, I guess we'll just go to Joe Casada. I don't know, I don't know who's next, who's next on the cameo list after Stan's gone, maybe they'll be glad they can stop worrying about stuff like that. Um, But yeah, so sad, sad to see him go. He was 95, though, and he'd been in a, there'd been rumors of his poor health, and of course, there was a whole situation, unfortunate situation, where there was some elder abuse, talk of elder abuse, and that sort of thing, with the people that were, kind of became his caretakers. I know that, you know, as with any elderly couple, when he lost his wife, that that was probably the biggest blow to him, and and from there, I think, you know, it was just one of those natural progression of, of just kind of going down. Um, so he will be missed. He was 95 years old, Stanley. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us on the old Geek Out Loud. I want to thank everyone for joining us. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at com, And uh, we will... Uh, We'll continue to do some things. Look for new episodes of Disney Vault Talk coming. And if you want to support us, if you're able to support us at Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And uh, we appreciate you doing that. If you can't do that, but you'd shop at Amazon, use those Amazon links, especially now during the holiday season over at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. We will be hopefully doing the marathon in January right now. We're tentatively set for January 19th. It may get started a little bit later in the day than we're used to because of some other prior obligations and stuff that are taking place on that day. But we'll let you know as, uh, as we move along and we get closer, but just pencil in that January 19th date is the date for our annual Gulliver's Cure Marathon. And, uh, and I know we always have a good time looking forward to the, to that day when we're going to have some good times with stuff. Uh, yeah I think that's what we got I think that's it I think that's all we got so Stranger Things 3 coming in 2019 I, I just saw a kind of a teaser trailer for that with like the different titles of the different episodes kind of flashing up as the whole credits are coming on yeah it got me a little excited for Stranger Things again so I might have to start doing a rewatch of that before you know it God bless you God God keep you <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to wrap it up. I never do. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Steve Gloss, and We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud, everyone. Thanks so much. Oh, it's not...